You're listening to Below the Radar, a knowledge mobilization project recorded out of 312 Maine. This podcast is produced by SFU's Van City Office of Community Engagement. Below the Radar brings forward ideas to encourage meaningful exchanges across communities. Each episode, we interview guests on topics ranging from environmental and social justice, arts, culture, community building, and urban issues. This podcast is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Hello, listeners. I'm Paige Smith with SFU's Van City Office of Community Engagement, and thank you for joining us on Below the Radar. In this episode, we chat with model, youth mentor, and basketball fanatic Jolene Mitten to discuss her journey from young teenage model to founder of the Vancouver Indigenous Fashion Week. Our host, Am Johal and Jolene, chat about why she started the Fashion Week, mentioning the lack of representation of Indigenous people in the media and the mass production of Indigenous fashion. Jolene also talks about her previous collaborations with critically acclaimed Indigenous artist Bo Dick and how he influences her current work. Welcome to Below the Radar. We're delighted to have Jolene uh, Mitten with us, the uh, founder of Vancouver Indigenous Fashion Week. Welcome, Jolene. Hi, thanks for having me. Jolene, you're, I guess, several years uh, into the project, but before you uh, were involved in Vancouver Indigenous Fashion Week and and launching it, you had a career as a a model. Yeah, um, I was a model way back before Top Model um, in 1999. Started modeling when I was 14, but I left when I was like 15. So um, my first trip was to actually uh, Taipei. Is it true that you got, um, you were uh, discovered at the PNE in a lineup? Yeah, I was in line for like a free smoothie. It wasn't even like um, a thing. I was, yeah, I was in line and this lady- They had smoothies in 1999? <laughs> yeah, they had smoothies in 1999. Time warp. Um, yeah, I think it was like one of those, like uh, the bullet, like the new bullet that just came out or something. And so I was in line at the market at the PNE, and this lady tapped me on my shoulder and asked to take a photo. And that was kind of it. It wasn't like a decision I- like, I'm I'm glad I did it, but it wasn't something that was in my repertoire of thought at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, where did uh, where did uh, going from the PNE take you? Where did you travel? Um, my first stop was Taiwan and Taipei, um, and then like all over Asia. Like I went to Thailand and Hong Kong and China and Guam. I spent a lot of time in Thailand. They really liked me in Thailand, so it's like. I did a lot of shampoo bottles, air conditioning commercials, like Hello Kitty, like um, me being indigenous uh, was always mistaken for Asian. So uh, super marketable in their in, in their industry because I kind of look like I could be Asian, but I'm also like look like I'm something that no one can actually guess my race, which was kind of the funny part. But yeah. And uh, you eventually came back to uh, Vancouver and you've continued to model to, uh, for periods. But there's also parts of that profession, I, I sense, uh, that you were also kind of frustrated with as well. Oh, yeah. Um, well, just the fact uh, I think my I think it was like my first or second job. Like I I was on set with this brand called Poon and they had a whole bunch of indigenous inspired clothing. I was like, oh, wow. At the time, this is like really cool. Like I just represent something that I know. Um, but knowing now it's like mass produced and someone who indigenous didn't make it. Uh, those kind of th- things became really frustrating. Also, um, not 
being allowed to eat for like a long periods of time and trying to fit certain things. That and would make me grumpy. Yeah, I was very hangry a lot. Um, very, And also being a teenager also, like could you imagine being put into those kind of boxes where you're trying to figure out who you are and then you're being pushed into all these different characters you have to be while you're modeling, which was also good to like for me to like flex on my abilities but at the same time like it is kind of confusing when you're so young and you're just trying to figure yourself out modeling probably isn't the job for for someone so young yeah so I try to like when when I I own a modeling agency now I don't really allow uh young models to become part of my troupe because I just think they should be kids mm-hmm and and so, uh, where did the idea for Vancouver Indigenous Fashion Week uh, start, or what was your sort of driving passion to to get this thing launched? Yeah, I was actually in school. I was in business school for a bit. I came back in two thousand and eight. Uh, feeling super disconnected. Um, I started working for the Pacific Association First Nation Women's and started working with uh, families and uh, youth out of care and in care. And I just saw a real lack of like representation for Indigenous people um, in the media and I never like spoke on like my experience as a model because it is kind of, I'm coming into the homes of these people that are um, what I would say like in distress and I still want to be like, oh, like I was a model. (laughs) Like I've had this like really uh, other kind of life where it's kind of luxurious and I just didn't want to bring that to the table. So uh, yeah, I just was, I just kind of like was feeling my way around, like reconnecting to my roots. My mom also grew up in care as well. So trying to feel... What, like really what my past was and like what my past traumas were because they're kind of passed down through my mom. And then I went to, um, then I took business school and I was like, I want to actually to do like a magazine, indigenous magazine and decided not to do that and decided to do a fashion week at that time. So that was like, must've been like nine years ago now. And um, our first big show was at Trout Lake on uh, an Aboriginal day. And I really knew I had something because all these little kids like, ran to the stage when all the models came on and it was like this is when Tribe Called Red just first came out and it was like it was like the time so all the crowd kind of leaned in and like we had the most attendance so I, I really knew I had something there like I kind of like oh I don't know if people are, would be into this or if this is something that um, my people would actually or my community would actually want uh, but seeing that happen was kind of like a cement. Okay, like, okay, we're doing this, guys. And then took a lot of girls from my uh, Mentor Me program and Urban bu- Urban Butterfly program, which we'll, we'll later talk about, uh, but brought them along. And we've had some of them since they were like seven and now they're like 19. So yeah, it's just like we're bringing the kids along and the community along. And that was really awesome. I know that you knew uh, Bo Dick uh, as well. And did you ever collaborate with him? Oh, yeah. Uh, we collaborated on uh, Laka Kinesis at UBC and also on the uh, 13 uh, Cedar Bark Row project that was through the PFNW as well. It was kind of like random. I was also kind of trying to talk. I was at a UBC radio show trying to talk about the Cedar cedar bark robe capes and he was like standing there I had no idea who he was I was like I just came back from like traveling and just getting into the community and like I'm Cree as well right so I'm not I'm not west coast like I obviously I know who Robert Davidson is and Bill Reed and like but like Bo I've only heard of Bo I've never actually met I don't didn't know what he looked like and everyone was like 
awing over this man and I was just like, who is this guy? I'm just going to ask him if he wants to come to this event thing. And then um, he was super like awesome and nice and like really welcoming. And then I was like, oh, do, would you uh, come to the event that we're hosting at the PFNW? And we're kind of trying to talk about like rematriation and matriarchal beauty and uh, he said, sure. And then he actually came and he opened for us, which like kind of blew uh, one of my mentor's minds because she's like, how did you get Bo? And I was just like, I just asked him. Just like, he just like, he just like came. And uh, ever since then, um, we kind of, we had a close relationship. We talked a lot on the phone and um, he kind of became my mentor and uh, he helped a lot with Vancouver Indigenous Fashion Week and how I move in the world now. It was like a really special relationship for me and um, my development. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I remember when he passed away, there was a, a sort of public event ceremony at the museum of anthropology where you were involved with, uh, some people involved with Vancouver indigenous fashion week. Yeah, I think. we, uh, well, it was uh, Vancouver indigenous fashion week and the urban butterflies program. So if you don't know Bo, Bo is like this whimsical character, Gandalfy kind of amazing man and he's always had these like amazing hats that had like uh the most interesting things on them so uh the urban butterfly program we made a bunch of little hats for all the kids and we had a choir at the time so the, the kids made hats with like all these skulls on it and feathers and um they wore uh the we, we also made some like button blankets for them to wear and we sang some songs for for Bo and for um, his family. And, and that was really beautiful to, because he just loved the work that the PFNW and what I was doing. So the best thing I could have done is um, honor him in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the work that you do at uh, VFNW? Yeah. Uh, so as soon as I came back in 2008, I've been working there for like a while. So it's been like 12 years, I'm guessing now. And it's mainly around youth in care and out of care now. But when I, when I first started working, I was like, uh, heavy deep into like doulaing and uh, uh, community support work. So like uh, families coming off reserve, uh, women who are coming from um, an unsafe situation, um, just letting them know what their uh, options are and where, where they can get help on the downtown east side. And also like helping take care of like young mothers who had just had a baby. So which was really cool. And yeah, it was like totally like a one 80 uh, from living in like a like a mansion sort of like in Asia and then coming and like changing diapers but like it was a good like reality check for sure for me and um, yeah so that's kind of like where I started and then I started uh, working with uh, the Urban Butterflies program which is ages 4 to 14 and they were super cute I think that's kind of where I found like my niche like the family thing was awesome and uh, helping them out was amazing but it is like really hard on your soul especially if yeah if, if things don't change if you don't see the families change and or they're trying to change it's just taking a while it's it you get burned out and I was very burned out so um uh kids are awesome and they're easier to deal with I find so I I like to work with kids and so when the urban butterfly program um came up for me I was like that's like that's what I want to do I want to work with kids so um I was in that program for like a long time and we really built the program around uh obviously that age group and then we would uh grab them all across like Vancouver because like sometimes you're the the only indigenous kid in your school I remember feeling that in school like I was there's like four or five other indigenous kids in school 
And then you always kind of felt lonely. So we would grab all the kids in school who are like all over the place and like bring them in on a Saturday and just teach them either beading or button blanking because we're just all a mix of all indigenous, right? It's like West Coast. It's from like some Cree, like there's a bit bit of like a mixed bag of nuts there. But um, yeah, that's what basically what we did every Saturday for, I guess, like five years. And then those those kids grew up into the Mentor Me program and that's like 14 to 25. So like we kind of keep them. So they just have someone that they've kind of grew up with knowing. That's kind of like the, the whole idea of the Urban Butterflies and Mentor Me program. Mm-hmm. Now you've been a basketball player for a very long time. It takes up a big chunk of your life and, and uh, not only as a fan, but you're involved with uh, particularly um, uh, leagues and other stuff with other indigenous women. So where did the, how long you've been playing ball for? I think, oh, I think the first time I went to all native was 2005. Like it was like, I, cause as I'm traveling, I come back for Christmas and like I stay for a couple months and then I go back out. So I think it was in 2005, I want to say was my first all native, which is like the biggest indigenous basketball tournament on the coast here in, B- in British Columbia. And yeah, so I think the team's kind of been around that long, which is like, when I think about it, it's kind of crazy. So there's teams up and down the West Coast, but also throughout BC, Western Canada? That you- yeah, like we're considered a club team because uh, we're from a city. And, uh, but like there's, it's basically like nation versus nation. Yeah, so you go up to the coast and it's like, you get to play the Niskas and like uh, King Colith and all these like other really amazing teams up north and... Uh, yeah, so everyone's kind of playing for their nation. We kind of play for Vancouver. Yeah, what position do you play? I'm a forward. You're a forward. Yeah. You got a crossover dribble, you're a border, you I'm more like a Reggie Miller, like super. Oh, you yeah. got your streaky shooter. A, when you're on, you're on. Yeah, I'm kind of streaky like well, micro Vinny the microwave oven. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm like I'm very I was a cross country runner in school. Um I was very athletic, uh but like I'm yeah, I'm more of like a skinny shooter person that runs around and plays really good defense and like is kind of like awkward and um yeah, that's kind of like my thing. <laughs> nice, nice. And you watch the Raptors, of course. Of course. I was like Vancouver's like super fan. Yeah. Yeah. I was like on CBC radio quite a bit and it was like it was the most hilarious thing. Yeah. Uh so Vancouver Indigenous Fashion Week is coming up in uh November. I know you have uh, something also happening at the Museum of Vancouver, but uh, set this up for us uh, in terms of uh, what's going to be happening this year. So November 18th is our first day, and it's the Missing and Murdered Women Red Dress event at the Orpheum. That's one, it's kind of the uncharted territory because we've done, uh, in 2017, we did it at the QE Theatre, so that's our first day. And our second day is actually the 19th, but it's more of like a masterclass for indigenous designers, knowing that there's like a renaissance now for indigenous fashion. And like, what does that look like for us as a community? We're trying to figure that out because um, there's been some situations where getting ready for market is really important. And also like honoring traditions and slow fashion is also very important. So we're trying to teach a class and get people ready for these makers to get ready for whatever they want to do. Right. So that will be held at, we said groundswell, but our, we'll see because we we're actually have a really large influx of people who want to participate in the masterclass. And then on the 20th, uh, it'll be at the QE Theatre. Our theme is Indigenous Futurism. So there'll be in some interesting lights and stuff. Um, 
And then also the 20th will be at the Kiwi Theatre. And there will be a, a break in between. And then there will be a show at the Museum of Vancouver on the 23rd. Wow, sounds exciting. It seems to be getting bigger and bigger. And preparing each year for it, you come across uh, different uh, designers and artists who are uh, making work. And uh, whose work, I know you can't mention everybody, of course, yeah. but are there uh, people who you think are doing really interesting work? Uh, Angela de Montney, who's a Cree Métis designer uh, coming from Toronto, is I just love her work and it's lots to do with leather. And she is... Um, She's, she's kind of like led the way, like she's actually was, uh, lived in Vancouver for a long time, but she moved to Toronto cause we don't really have a fashion scene here yet. Um, so she, I'm really excited to, to see her work and her new stuff. Um, obviously like Pam Baker, you gotta, you gotta give the respect to Pam. She's been here, been doing it on the coast almost the longest. And she's actually Squamish. Um, I'm really excited to see her new line that just premiered in Santa Fe, New Mexico, Obviously, uh, Megan O'Brien and Guai Insha, like just amazing Haida artists. I'm really excited to see their stuff. Yeah, there's just there's so there's so much going on. I'm so excited for everything. So since you uh, started uh, Vancouver Indigenous Fashion Week, um, how has the reception been? And are there um, other cities where things are happening uh, as well? Who's contacted you once they realized this was happening? Oh, my God. Like 2017 was ridiculous. Like my phone wasn't like rang off the hook. And it's just the timing was super bad for me because I was just going through some like personal like health stuff and emotional stuff. But it the reception was obviously amazing. Like every everyone wanted to either uh like I was invited to every like potch latch up and down the coast it was like it was amazing but um but like yeah I guess there was like a really resurgence especially during our Canada 150 uh colonial <laughs> situation that was happening around that time because it was during our, the Canada 150 plus that celebrations the drum was calling so it was this very timely it was a very timely event and yeah like a lot of things have come from it because it was the first. I I don't know. I I've done some research. I haven't seen another Indigenous Fashion Week here in on Turtle Island that has been because that was five days long, right? So it was the first one. So yeah, and then Toronto came in with their Fashion Week, and now Calgary has their Indigenous Fashion Week. We all kind of shared all the same designers and like you know contacts and stuff like that. So there's like this growing community of Indigenous renaissance fashion um which is really awesome to see so yeah it's just been it's just been a crazy ever since 2017 it's been crazy for me <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on below the radar no problem Thank you again to Jolene Mitten for joining us on this episode of Below the Radar. Click the link in the description below if you'd like to learn more about the Vancouver Indigenous Fashion Week. As always, many thanks to our team that puts this podcast together including myself, Paige Smith, Rachel Wong, and Farella Pinoyos. David Steele is the composer of our theme music, and thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on Below the Radar.